0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Olivia Odaleke, an education technology trainer and author of the new book, A Beginner's Guide to Nearpod, a tool for transforming virtual teaching in K-12 that really captures who Olivia is and the relevance of her work for all of us. Now, we're going to meet her and learn about her story and her passion for making learning a fun experience for our kids. Olivia Odaleke, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning.
1: Oh, thank you, Kay, for having me. It's just a pleasure to to be with you and to um, be a part of your inspirational women.
0: <laughs> well, you know, on that note, you truly are These days, we're really encouraging our young girls, our young women to really look at STEM, look at science and math and technology. And here you are, you are the epitome of it. You have your degree in industrial engineering, for one, and you've been teaching in the field of math and science. So you are really, you know, someone we look up to and really are a great spokeswoman and model for us.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, I've always tried to to be different and to let, especially girls, know you can do anything you put your mind to. It's really about putting your mind to it.
0: So along those lines of putting your mind to it, was this something that you really had to focus on? Or or did you kind of have a natural sense or inclination toward the sciences and, and getting a degree in engineering?
1: Actually, I gravitated to math from elementary school. I would go through the book in like half a year, and my teacher would give me another book. So I was like one of those self-learners, and I I just thought it was fun figuring it out. And I was a little different because um, my mom never really encouraged me to do schoolwork. I just was a self-starter. And I think having that motivation from a young child has propelled me to where I am now. Um, I would not have gone into engineering had it not been for a friend in college, I mean, no, in high school, um, who said, I think you should look into engineering. You have a very logical mind. So I went to the library, and I just started researching all these different engineering fields. And I was just so amazed because as a child, I thought an engineer was someone who worked on a train <laughs> because that was the only You know, I had never seen any engineers, you know, growing up. I grew up in a very small sugar cane town. So that was so far. But just going to the library and doing research and finding out what the background was inspired me to want to go into this field.
0: Well, we are the very fortunate beneficiaries of that, I have to say. (laughs) Yes.
1: And it's been amazing. It really has been amazing. Especially having my knowledge in teaching math and science. Yeah. I teach it totally different. I'm constantly looking for real world application, making connections, seeing that this is something you can do. Like I'm gonna show you some skills that are professional skills that you can apply to any field. And when we start doing those kind of things with our students in the classroom. We immediately engage them because they see value in what they're doing. Oh,
0: that is so exciting! I I really feel that that's where the key is for kids to ha- see that connection between what they're learning and its application in their life. That it it brings that excitement into their learning.
1: That's everybody, Katie. So can you imagine going to a workshop as an adult and that presenter not being able to tell you in the first three minutes what's in it for you? Adults tune out. Why would a child be any different?
0: Right. Yes. And so that is has been your motivation, of course, your background, and then you've been teaching, so you pulled that together, and now you've progressed to being the instructor you you have this great book that is really important I feel for educators a beginner's guide to Nearpod a tool for transforming virtual teaching in in K to 12 I I mean how much more uh, really critical and focused that is for right now
1: yes and, and and it was because of what I'm seeing and I I see so many people struggling, especially teachers from brick and mortar. They were thrust into this emergency state with no real training, except here's a computer, um, here is a web conferencing tool, and here is where you're going to put your curriculum for assessments. Have a nice day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not enough. That's not enough. The instructional practices are totally different when you get on a computer versus when you're face-to-face with a person.
0: And you had already been doing this prior to this year uh, that we've been. I have already been
1: pioneering it. Yeah, Um, With my virtual school I was with, I was like one of the top teachers for engagement because they kept asking me, how do you get your students to talk in class? How do you get your students to do your work? I mean, it was, I'm like, I just treat them like people. I have relationships. I made a lot of phone calls. I called a lot of parents. I found out what their situations were. I tried to find out what the interests of the students were. I sent messages. I sent video messages. I didn't just send email because I know most people don't read email. We have too much email coming to us now. So as a teacher, you have to really become almost like an entertaining marketer to get parents open and look at the things that you're sending. It's just because it's just too many things coming at a person and especially with COVID. So I took all of those strategies and plus Nearpod helped my life as a virtual teacher. I've been using it for faithfully for five years and it was just night and day, Kate, night and day. It was like going from a dry PowerPoint where you just show the slides and you lecture to students for 40 minutes And you say, here's what I'm doing, and then, um, okay, go do it on your computers. Instead, I changed it to tell me about what do you feel about this topic or draw a picture about how you're feeling. Now they could interact. I could see their feelings. Now I show them something, and then now they show me something. So it became more of a back and forth. And that's really an effective classroom when you have a balance between teacher talk student talk.
0: Right. So let's take a little step back here. You've mentioned Nearpod. I actually mentioned it right at the outset too. Tell us what Nearpod is.
1: Nearpod is a presentation platform that allows you to insert interactive activities to solicit the thinking of your students. So obviously
0: so obviously it's very critical to to this whole process.
1: Yes, it's very critical because one of the biggest challenges a educator has is what are my students thinking? Right? Yes. We don't know what they're thinking, and if we know what they're thinking, we can help get rid of misconceptions. We can help with any fears they have, and it becomes so much easier to teach them because we know what they're thinking. Well, Nearpod is my secret tool to find out what my students are thinking. So I may insert an open-ended question about how do you feel about the problem you just did or what was your greatest struggle? Now, they would never in life, they wouldn't say it out loud because they don't want other people to know their weaknesses and their insecurities. But because it's private through an open-ended question that only the teacher can see, they feel safer to tell you. And then you make adjustments as you move forward. That's just one example. Katie, I got so many, but that's just one example.
0: It's a really good illustration, though, of what this means and why it's so important because that connection and interaction is obviously very key in the classroom, but you're you're talking now virtually. You've been able to use it successfully, and that's what teachers are struggling with, and, and parents, too, struggle because they're trying to try and keep their kids involved. Um, so maybe parents are the ones to encourage teachers or work with teachers to really make this successful.
1: Oh, I believe it. And then, and then too, they have, um, they have a live participation mode where the teacher is leading it, but they, I can also convert a lesson to self-paced. So if I convert a lesson to self-paced, I can send a link to a parent whose child has missed my class. I can add my voice. I can add instructions. I can put more support within that lesson, to cater to the needs of that individual child. So it's also a way to personalize learning for students, too, and to put them on different pathways versus just everyone getting the same information the same way.
0: And, of course, we know that that's so critical because kids are unique. They have their different interests, and being able to key into that is going to make it so much more relevant.
1: Yes, my friend,
0: yes. So <laughs> so there's also an education that's going on for teachers. If this is new to them, is this a, a long learning curve? What does it mean for the teacher to get to using the Nearpod method?
1: Actually, it's a short learning curve because they have so many things you can do tomorrow. Like, for example, they have a timer. I tell, I just did a training yesterday with some teachers, and I said, listen, I know you might be afraid because you feel it's a new thing, but just start small. So I said just use the timer. The timer, you have an activity for the students to online. Put the timer up so at least they're aware of it. You just use the new tool. They also have a, a draw it feature. So you might throw a draw it for them to demonstrate something they just learned in class where they can draw pictures to go with it. And you don't have to do a full, a full class. And I also offer a, a self-paced um, course on my website, com. and it's entitled How to Create Engaging Lessons with Nearpod. And it's designed for those slow adapters, those teachers who need things step-by-step, video, and then practice. So I'm really, Kate, okay, I really was thinking about the teachers and like how would my my mother Need to learn this, and I I, I wrote the um the instructional um module based on like a, a a new person to technology coming in there and being ready to run with it.
0: That's brilliant, and with what you said that your mother wasn't necessarily encouraging you, uh, not that she discouraged you, but someone who was just you know there as your mom saying that. She, Keeping her in mind as you describe what to do, I think really helps people to kind of engage even that much more and say, "Okay, I can I can get to this."
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I love something I love to say during um, speeches is, "You need your Tommy time." Just like me, have a little baby. The baby is crying a little bit, right? But Tommy time is making that baby strong, and then eventually, Tommy time turns into crawling time. And before you know it, you are walking and standing. But the beginning is always the hardest. It's always the hardest to unlearn practices that are ingrained enough. But the question I ask and the question I employ is how are your your students engaged with what you're doing now? And how can you measure it? Right.
0: Well, this sounds like a very
1: great
0: and and very hopeful method because, you know, a year into this time of a lot of virtual learning, I know there's some classroom learning going on too, and then there's hybrid models. I, I think we're going to continue seeing this and maybe, you know, for a, a long time into the future in, in some sort of different shapes and forms, because some kids thrive on it while others don't. But at this time, right? Isn't that so that some do thrive on it?
1: Oh, some kids, they're no longer being bullied. They're no longer suffering from anxiety, from being around large crowds of people. But it is a mandate nationwide that every district in America is supposed to offer a virtual learning option. And I think a lot of parents didn't know about it before COVID. So, It's also creating awareness that this is another option for you um, to provide more personalized and more flexibility for your child.
0: Right. And for kids who maybe have some sort of any kind of a condition that it makes it difficult for them to be in a classroom, this could definitely be at least a part-time option that would help them to be part of the group.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've seen so many, some students I've had, they failed, they failed at math in the regular middle school setting. They came to my class and the parents are writing me these long letters saying, thank you so much. They're finally understanding math, finally getting it. You know, I love the way you teach. I love the way you provide these tutorials and these self-paced lessons because I was always anticipating gaps. I, I know students are coming to me without prior knowledge, without experience. And a lot of teachers we like to complain and say, Weren't shouldn't they learn this last year or shouldn't they have learned I just say, you know what? I don't I don't think about what they don't know. I think about what can I give them so that they know it now.
0: <laughs> you are such an optimist, and but with a lot of foundation here is, uh, you know, just here are the tools then to get us all moving in that same direction.
1: Yes, and, and Nearpod saved my life because I, at one time, Kate, I had 300 virtual students. I had 300 virtual students, and that's no easy task to meet all of their needs. But through pre assessment through finding out what their gaps were and anticipating what those gaps were, I could create mini lessons. And I would say, okay, this week, this is our live lessons that we're going to do in class. And then I would say, in case you need a review on some of these concepts, here is a mini lesson on maybe dividing numbers because maybe we're going to go beyond dividing numbers, but I know they need to know how to divide numbers. So I would put a division mini lesson. So I would have those, and parents loved them, because they were like, oh, he needs help with multiplication. So I would just provide a little mini lesson as a way to prep them for the live class. Oh, perfect. So is that part
0: of what is referred to as the easy method that parents can use in helping their child?
1: Well, part of my my easy method is is just a, a quick way of a formula for parents to to get involved um, in the process. And so um, each letter stands for a, a, basically like an acronym. So I can go over that though. Yes, please. Okay. The first one is that E is every child learns with supervision you you can't expect a person to a child to learn something and you just have the computer in front of you right (laughs) you're like oh i see him on the computer so i think he's good no he's not good at all he he needs your help he really needs your help and just being able to supervise if they know you're around and if they have a clarifying question that makes it that that makes them more motivated to be a part of the learning. So, e every child succeeds with supervision. A, assume the responsibility. Don't blame the child for not doing the work. Okay, I have so many conversations with parents like, and they'll be yelling at the child in the background. Why aren't you doing your work? Why aren't you doing your work? I'm like, oh, they did probably didn't really know where to go get the work, you know, because. Navigating things online is not easy. You, you got to know how to navigate. And if the parent doesn't know how to get there, the child doesn't know 300%. So assume the responsibility. Don't blame the child and just say, you know what? I am going to take responsibility of knowing how to log into their learning platform and how do they access their assignments. I mean, that seems easy, but it's kind of hard, right? (laughs) It can be, yes. Yeah. Um, The S is set up a system on when you will check their daily assignments. You got to have a system. What's your system? I mean, you work every day. What days of the week do you feel like you have a little more time to focus on helping them? So maybe that, for me, is Tuesday and Friday. So Tuesday, Friday, I pretty much have those afternoons open. I am going to work with my child for at least two hours minimum to help monitor their work. That's my system. Or on Tuesday, I check in and say, okay, what did you accomplish on Monday? Let's let's check it off. Let's, let's check it off the list. Which one did you struggle in? Okay, let's open up an email right now to your teacher and let her know these are your questions about this. So we're kind of teaching them to be independent, but at the same time, we have a system for when we will check in with them because as a working parent, I hope the um, schools know that parents can't work with their child every day unless they're at home parents, you know, that they're just at home, they're hanging out, you know, and all they do is help their child. The average person I know is working and because they're working, you have to set up a system that works for you. And last but not least is the why. Why? You are the most critical part of homeschooling. Research shows that no matter what the educational background is of a parent, if they are just involved, if they are just reading directions, if they are just clarifying their child's understanding about things, they're going to be successful. That's that's my easy formula, Kate.
0: Well, that is a a. Really good formula and very uh, aware in the sense of acknowledging that uh, many parents are working and even if they happen to to be home, there might be multiple children to have to oversee. So taking that kind of a, a an approach where you have a system, I think that's so key, so that it it, it tells the kids what to expect. And you also, you know, give yourself a break to as a parent to be able to structure things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we need structure. They need structure too. I think, um, you know, in the brick and mortar they have structure. They have someone to hold their hand basically for six and a half to seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. And so now we're at home and we're thinking, oh, the teacher's on co- computer. Is going, the teacher on the computer can't be with you for seven hours a day? Now you have to do a lot of independent things. So you you schedule it. You be flexible with it. Okay. Hey, I, I my child can't do all four subjects on one day. So let's say the day. Which subjects do you feel the most confident in? They might say social studies and math. Okay, on those days you work independently. You know, because you feel real confident, and I'm going to show you how to email your teacher if you have questions, right? Right. The other two subjects, science and reading, may be a challenge, okay? So those are the subjects I'm going to work with you on those two days we check in with each other. So we're just going to put those off so that I can be with you to guide you through that, because every student has strengths and weaknesses. And I would just be focusing on the core topics, because... I mean, there's electives that people are doing, but I'm like the the real focus is science, math, ELA, and science um, and social studies or history. Those are the four subjects that students need to be focused on during remote learning. Everything else to me is extra. The four core content areas is what I need to support my child in. Right.
0: And what if we find that our our kid uh, or teachers find that their student just isn't engaging is do you have any kind of a magic formula
1: (laughs) for the students that's not engaged yes oh the magic formula is the teacher that's the magic formula we we have to we have to change our strategies and we also have to make phone calls i might just need to talk to that child you know find out what maybe they're not feeling safe in the space. If a person doesn't feel safe social and emotionally, it's hard for them to learn anything. So me just having a personal conversation and finding out more about that child and finding out more about their interests may also motivate them to want to participate and be a part of it. But a lot of teachers um, used to, do have these relationships with students face-to-face because they saw them every day are finding it a challenge because they're not used to calling their house. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not used to that. And we have to become, we have to make that our comfort zone because that's the way we can connect with families.
0: So this isn't necessarily additional work. It's just, taking what would have happened in the classroom and switching it around so that a a phone call, uh, would you, is that what you would also, you know, in your instruction have to do is make those kinds of phone calls? Um,
1: as a virtual teacher, almost 30% of my time was building relationships with parents and students through zoom calls, through phone calls, through personalized videos. I may send a child a video with my face. Hey Jane, I just read your review of your math facts. It was awesome. I just wanted to send this video and say, "I'm so proud of you. Keep up the good work." And I email that to them. Is that child not going to be motivated to want to do more work in my class? Well so That's what, the type of yeah. stuff we have to do is personalize. You take your phone, you do a selfie.
0: well and i can see that that personal attention is really key because otherwise i can appreciate being in on zoom meetings you can kind of feel like you fade into the woodwork uh, or fail fade into Mm -hmm. the screen so so yes i can appreciate making that kind of connection is is quite critical
1: it's very critical and it's the little things that count. Don't we always hear that? It's the little things. Mm -hmm. And the little things sometimes don't take a lot of time. I would pick like four or five students a week to highlight, and I would just make a little custom video, send it to um, their email or their parents' email, and say, please share this. And that's a moment that a parent gets to celebrate, too, with their child. So give the children opportunities to celebrate with their families by personalizing our messages to them and using Nearpod to help personalize their learning. Because sometimes with a Nearpod, I could put, hey, Howard, this lesson was made just for you. I know you're struggling in this area, so I put together this to help you. I record my voice on the very first slide. I send that lesson to Howard as a self-paced lesson. He's doing it on his own, but I just personalized it just by recording my voice on the first slide. And you could do that for all, you know, the ones that really need motivation, those Mm -hmm. are the ones you can do it for. Yes. It's powerful, isn't it? When you think about it, Kate, can you imagine? You're getting a a message from your teacher and it's a lesson and the lesson is so engaging and the very first slide has your name in it.
0: It brings to mind those children's books you can personalize and how kids just really embrace those. So it's the same concept. It's like, oh, this really is mine. It's for me. Wow. Yeah. How yes, you. very great. Well, I wish we really had so much more time, but I think we've touched on some very key aspects of virtual learning here, Olivia Odaleke. You are such, truly, such an inspiring woman, an inspiring educator. So um, we can certainly find out more about you at your website, which is your name, and I'm going to spell the last name, which is O-D-I-L-E-K-E com, And of course, your book is available at all of our favorite book sources. Uh, We can order it um, from our personal booksellers, right?
1: That is correct. And the Audible book should be coming out at the end of February for those of your listeners who have an Audible account.
0: Terrific. Well, I can't say enough about how wonderful this is, how your work is so critical and couldn't be more timely. You already were prepared for all of this, and then it hit. And now I I trust you are the solution to many questions and challenges that both educators and parents are facing. So thank you so greatly for this work that you're doing.
1: Well, thank you so much for bringing me here and bringing awareness to Um, the Seattle population on it. And and it's going to get better. You know, like I said, at the beginning, it's always the hardest. But the more we practice, the stronger we become.
0: Exactly. Well, again, my thanks and my gratitude to you, Olivia Odileke. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Olivia Odileke and Sunday Morning Magazine with Gregory Kufakos. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of open connection to each other, of supporting each other on a grand life journey. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.